on the line, we have perhaps, arguably, I reckon there's actually, there's no argument in this, the greatest sportsman that's come from the Yarra Valley, if not Australia, and we say good evening to Cameron Donald. G'day, Cam. How are you, boys? Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, thank you for joining us and giving us some of your time. I mean, you're incredible. Uh, Winner of the, well, the... You're in the Isle of Man, sorry about that, the, the Isle of Man, which I'm yet to read up on, but apparently it's quite tough. Yeah, well, it's, the, it's one of the world's oldest motorcycle races, which the, it's the oldest running, continually running motorcycle race, been going for over 100 years. It's held on the Isle of Man, a small island, which is uh, between England and uh, Ireland. It's, it's, it's part of the United Kingdom, but it's its own own government, own country, if you like, and it's on closed public roads, so it's 67 kilometres per lap of closed public roads so we reach speeds in excess of 300 kilometers an hour and it's also the most classed as the most dangerous motorcycle or motorsport race in the world as well so it's uh yeah it's quite serious um unfortunately uh, about two odd people per year lose their lives competing there which is um i guess it's somewhere up there in sort of everest for uh how many people lose their lives challenging them their, their skills against the the circuit? But for a motorcycle racer, there's no other, there's not no harder or more ultimate test of your skills than against that course. So it's uh, yeah, it's a pretty serious place, but it's also hugely exciting and, and thrilling to, to race. Cam, it's Lock here. I'm so excited to be chatting to you. I really am. I am a, a big fan, big big fan. Thanks, mate. That's great to hear. I just, oh, I'm so excited. I think, I think for me personally, like the first question, and I reckon you get this one a lot. What motivates? What drove you to compete in the Isle of Man? Well, motivation. I mean, I've ridden bikes since learning how to ride. You know, just down the, the paddocks of the family property in Warrandyte since I was a little kid, and always rode, and then and then raced, and then. You know, my father and grandfather, they all talked about this Isle of Man TT it's because it was such an old race. They always read about it in magazines, and it was sort of like a bit like the holy grail of motorbike racing to, to go there and try to, you know, take on that mountain course that they refer to it as. And I had the opportunity to go over and do a couple of races in British Championship. But when I was in the UK, I went over, the Isle of Man was on at the same time, so I went and watched a race there, and I was just like, this place seemed like nothing I'd ever seen. It was so fast, so exciting. I thought, I, I have to try this. So that's that's what sparked my interest in, in trying and then um, I managed to get myself a, a ride there for a, a team based in the UK and went over there as a newcomer and, and thought, I'll just do it once. Promised my family I'll just do it once just to tick the box. But I did it once and I loved it and it got me going back and I ended up racing there 10 times. Because so, they, yeah. they, yeah, they definitely all talk about it being addictive. I guess for me, like, I don't know, that moment that bloke taps you on the shoulder and, and you're off, What what is that moment like inside the helmet, inside your visor? What, what's going through your head? Are you, are you thinking? Are you not? Yeah, that's, that's probably the biggest thrill because, you know, motorsport, you used to a mass start where, you know, it's 40, 30 bikes head off the start line together at the old amount. It is a time trial. You head off um, 10 seconds apart. So, you, you know, you, your times are combined as far as, you know, you're racing other riders, but you're actually racing the clock. So you're out there just racing the course, if you like. And there's a real, there's a real purity and beauty about that. You're just challenging your, yourself, your motorcycle, against this amazing course that goes from near sea level to uh, four, 500 metres above sea level, you know, 265 corners, 
closed public roads. Some corners are smooth, some are bumpy. So, yeah, the intensity of it, and, of course, you don't have a warm-up you know, session in the morning or a siding lap before you race. You you know, they take the bike off the tire warm, they still take your fuel, wheel you up to that start line, and you just go. So, yeah, the the intensity of it is, is truly like um, nothing I've ever experienced. And within... You know, 15 seconds of leaving that start line, you're nudging um, 300 kilometres an hour down a road with, uh, you know, bluestone curbs and two-metre high hedges. Nice. Um, the yeah. sensation of speed is, yeah, it's pretty pretty exciting. <laughs> Cam, was the housemate here? Um, you've gone around there 10, 10 years. You've uh, had held, I think, uh, the fastest lap. Can you talk yeah. me through a part where you know you are the quickest and have been the quickest and, and talk me through why you're quickest in that area. Yeah, I've, I've been lucky enough to hold the lap record two times, um, once only for a matter of minutes until someone else picked it by a second. But um, you, they, at the old end, they always talk about average speeds, the fastest average speed. So we average over 130 miles an hour. So for a road, that, you know, a couple of corners are literally first gear. You know, you feel like you could run quicker, double back turns. We actually, over the 67-kilometre lap, we average over 200 kilometres an hour. Um, so it's... Uh, it's um, and the funny thing is, it's extremely hard work, both physically and, and even more so mentally. Physically, you know, superbikes over 200 horsepower, you're really wrestling that thing around. It's like trying to wrestle, wrestle a missile because the bike just wants to go straight, so you're fighting it from left to right and over bumps and through dips and... But it mentally uh, remaining uh, focused, the, the, the big 1,000cc bike races are six laps. So, you know, it's the distance from here to halfway to Sydney as a, as a race. So it's an endurance race in itself. So mentally it's very hard to keep focused. But what I've found is when I've done my fastest laps, it sort of comes to you easy, if you like. And I hear that from a lot of sports people, you know, footy players saying when they're playing their best game, it just flows. You, you're just at one with with your sport and it just um, it works and it's not actually so hard and uh, it's usually those times you come back in and you're like they tell you wow you've broken the record and I'm like it didn't even feel fast you know and other times you feel like you're fighting and it's oh it must be I must be going quick because it's such hard work and you're actually not so it's um, sport, all sports tend to be a bit like that I think when it clicks it, it falls into place have you found like when you're riding, are you riding for success, or are you riding to go fast? Have you got that sort of buzz in you that you need to you need to fulfil? Yeah, it really has been. It comes, you know, like any um, to a point. I guess it's one of those extreme sports where you do get a huge hit of adrenaline, and it's um, you you get that feeling, and you want to go back for more of it. And for me, that was winning or standing on that podium. You know, that's what it was all about, and uh, that's what motivated me. And, you know, I'd sit down on that start line and talk about, you know, the marshal tapping on the shoulder as you, as you head off. And I'd always glance up at the grandstand and they've got flags of all the nations of the riders that are there that year, a couple of hundred competitors. There might be people from 30 or 40 different countries. And, um, you know, seeing that Australian flag up there, that's, I'd always remind myself, you know, here we're doing it for us and doing it for, for Australia. It was a very, very proud moment. That was a, a lot of motivation in that. Oh, one last one from me before we let Lockie just talk to you all yeah, night. Um, your pop popularity and the success you've had, but your popularity over here, would you would you like that to have been sort of a bit more noted? And like my dad sort of growing up 
watching you. He's been over there and watched you over there, and he's actually met you a couple of times as well. Signed, signed picture. I've seen a few Isle of Man races, and but would you like to have uh, sort of got a bit more of a pat on the back over here? Well, yes and no. I mean, look, it's great getting recognition. I, I, I feel humbled by it, and it, it's a fantastic thing. Of course, my profile's been a heck of a lot bigger in the UK, and I still go back every year when it runs. Of course, it hasn't with COVID, but doing the TV commentary now and heavily involved in the event, which is, is brilliant. It's been a nice way to wean myself off the, the thrill of it to uh, still be involved without racing. But, um, yeah, it would be nice sometimes, but at the end of the day, I think that's always kept my feet on the ground. Too. You know, you come home and it doesn't matter what you've done over there, you come home and you're just another one of the boys and I've really, I've enjoyed that when it's been the off-season and um, I've come back to Australia and, 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 you know, at the end of the day, Australia has so many amazing sports people, um, you know, you can't all stand out and motorbike racing is as big as it is in Australia, you know, I don't think anyone's been recognised here, like, whether it be Mick Dillon or Casey Stoner, I think all of them, for what they've done on the world stage, has gone a little bit um, unrecognised, if you like. But, you know, that's, that's Australia and, you know, it's, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. I love it. <laughs> that's why we got lucky. Bring it yeah. all back to us. Cam, you touched on before that it was sort of an endurance race. And I know years ago I watched a YouTube series where you were with John McGuinness and I think it was the late Simon. Yes. Yeah, was that, an, that was an endurance, wasn't it? Yeah, so I'd also done, as well as British Championship, which is, you know, your circuit racing, like you see at Phillip Island and other tracks. And then I did uh, a couple of years of world endurance. So they're very iconic events themselves, like Le Mans 24-hour, Voldor 24-hour, Suzuka 8-hour in Japan. So they're, they're races where you, there's either two or three riders and you do an hour each. Um, and that, yeah, they made a uh, reality TV series on it, on the Honda team that I raced for for a year. And that was, again, iconic events like no other, like to have done uh, several of the Le Mans 24-hour races. And they too, I mean, they're on a circuit. So, you know, you've got a bit of a safety net or some runoff and some room if yeah. things go wrong. But racing through the middle of the night and freezing cold conditions and that's... Um, that's been another challenge too and I guess I'm attracted to those left and centre races that are that bit different and really challenge you mentally and physically and I found the endurance was was fantastic for that plus it gives you a huge amount of time for bike and mental fitness to get you ready for something like the Ironman yeah, right how did you ever fare at the uh, the Northwest 200 did you do that a lot was that your lead yeah, up event yeah I did several and I, I, um, I won uh, one of the um, I've won a Super stock production race there. Finished second in the in the main event. If you like Superbike, got picked in the last corner. Rough, um, <laughs> but that was yeah. Which it's funny because that's by Steve Plato, one of the guys I work with on the commentary team at the TT now. So he reminds me of that often. So I never got to win the, the big trophy that yeah. one. But that, that's um. There, there's a lot of street races in the in the UK and, and a couple through Europe. The Northwest 200, the Ulster Grand Prix, another really big one held in Northern Ireland. So yeah, it's quite crazy. I mean, a bit like Elba Park, they literally close the roads and they run a huge uh, motorbike race and you get, you know, enormous crowds. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's like a big festival for the area for that week that the event's on. So it's, a, it's an amazing atmosphere that goes with the event. Yeah. Like, you like, for how successful you were in what I would sort of deem as a little bit of a, a promising period for the Isle of Man, you know, with John McGuinness, Guy Martin, Hutt, Hutchinson's. How did you? What, what were all? What was the sort of the relationship between all you riders? 
Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, mate, because, like, um, you know, on short circuits, you race and you're just out there to win uh, to a point at all costs. I mean, we're sports people. It's it's like war without weapons, isn't it? You know, you lay it all on the line and you, you want to win. But at the Isle of Man, I guess because of that extreme danger, you, you look out for each other a little bit. Like, John and I, we were teammates in World Endurance, but we also raced against each other in British Championship and... You know, before a race, we might give each other a, a nod, and that's about it. But, you know, quite often on that starting group between myself, Guy, John, all those, you know, multiple championship-winning riders, you know, we'd shake each other's hand and say, you know, see you in six laps, take care, sort of take it easy. I mean, you know you're out there putting literally your life on the line, and, and each year you go, people that you know don't come back. So it's it's a pretty sobering experience. Um, you know, uh, the danger is what makes the sport exciting and that's why we love it is because it's dangerous but when when you lose someone now I mean we hate that and that's it's very hard to take but um you know what you're messing with if you like and that's why yeah we all look out for each other and that's another pretty special thing about the TT is we all know what we're putting on the line and um yeah we all want to come back yeah um just tap we'll tap into MotoGP because I've seen you've been doing a little bit of work uh broadcasting with the MotoGP yeah, I actually do each round as a, as a pundit, if you like, for sort of expert opinion and, yeah. and whatnot for Fox Sports Asia. So it's been a great thing through COVID. I used to fly over to Singapore to be on the show, um, but we're doing that. We've got a, a Singaporean um, compare, if you like, in the studio and the, the pundits uh, remote. So it was myself in Australia. Myself and Mick Dewan actually did that last year as well, but he's not doing it this year. Myself, an Italian guy, Thai guy. So, yeah, we just do it remotely online, but... Each round of MotoGP, do qualifying in the race shows. So yep. that, that's really good, and it's something to sink your teeth into when we're stuck at home with COVID, following another another championship. So, who would be your dark horse? I, I will quickly touch on Remy and how well he's riding. But other than Fabio, because I think he's probably in the box seat. Who, who's your dark horse to take home the title this year? I thought Pecco Bagnai, the young Italian, who's teammates with our own Jack Miller, Australian on the factory Ducati team, I. I think his promise, his speed is incredible. I think he's yet to show how fast he really is. I, I tipped him to win at, at Mugello in the Italian Grand Prix last weekend. Unfortunately, he fell off. But, um, yeah, Fabio Quattararo, the Frenchman, that's leading the championship. There are so many good riders. Like, as far as motorsport goes, MotoGP at the moment, it's just it's an incredible show. And, and you really don't know who's going to win each weekend between not only riders but manufacturers. And, it, sadly, it makes... Formula One look pretty boring at the moment because it's such a spectacle. So, um, yeah, it's, pr- it's pretty hard to tip who's going to win. But I, I think that, that up-and-coming Italian rider is uh, he's sure to be a big name in the future. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I just want to touch on uh, Guy Martin. We've had, uh, I think you spoke about him earlier. Um, and what type of personality is he um, truly? Because um, if you watch Close to the Edge, which is on Stan and it's a documentary, uh, about the Isle of Man race. Uh, Guy Martin's a bit of a character. Is is that what he's like um, at, at all times? Yeah, I've known Guy for many years, and he is, uh, I was with, say, back here, man of the cut snake. <laughs> um, you know, like, he, he's, he's a crazy guy. He's done great. I mean, he signed up over there. He's done a lot of TV shows for the BBC, the guy that, uh, the boat the guy built. Uh, you can Google them all. It's amazing. He did another one where he went for a lot of speed records. I think he set a world record on a mountain bike for speed. And various other things. Um, he is, he'll actually go down in history. I think he's the most successful rider ever at the Ironman not to win. So he's had something like 20 plus podiums, um, but he's never actually won. 
So, and of course, he stopped racing at the TT now. So I know that's, he said he trade every other podium just for that one win. It never happened. But he, um, he really is a character. He's, uh, to give you an idea, like uh, I rode for the factory Suzuki in, in Great Britain and know, still know the team management quite well. And when they signed him, they negotiated for payment and he said, oh, I just want a Rolls-Royce jet engine. <laughs> I'm going to put it on the back of a truck. I want that motor. And I remember the team manager saying, I just said in the meeting, well, that's fine. What does it cost? And we'll, we'll, we'll just give you the money. No, no, don't want the money. You just get me a running Rolls-Royce jet engine. That was his sign-on fee to race the Suzuki, and they were trying to track down a jet engine for him to put on the back of the truck to set a speed record. So, yeah, he's um, he, he's the real deal. He, he, he's a pretty loose individual. The type of guy that feels comfortable uh, racing around the Isle of Man. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Sorry. <laughs> well, you sound quite normal, though. Yeah, I know. This is this is different. Um, but anyway, Cam, we've got to leave it there, mate. Uh, it's been right. fascinating to listen to you, and I'm sure we could listen to you for many, many more hours. We'll get him back on. We'll definitely get you back on, mate. We'll keep track. And um, what what time of the year? Oh, what time of the year is the Isle of Man actually run? Yeah. Well, it's always run the last week of May, first week of June. So oh. it's about a week's time. Yeah, it'll be on now. And right. ironically, I'm getting messages sent from friends and fans in the UK telling me how practice week, which would have been the week we've just passed, the weather has been perfect. So nice. that's a bit of salt in the wound because we're missing the second year of the TT now, but hopefully it'll come back next year. Well, and, what's better it, than ever. and what's it like with you right now, Cam, on the back of a motorbike being in just sort of traffic? Do you hate it? Like, is well, I still like... commute on the bike when I can because I prefer it than sitting in the traffic, but I'm actually pretty sensible on the road. I just... <laughs> I, I like to think that I save it for the track to uh, take take that, that that frustration out. But through the road, I'm I'm, I'm pretty sedate oh, yeah. considering. <laughs> Next time you you commute, you should commute up to Warburton to a cafe that does throw sugars in their coffee. Uh, I love it. Got some good friends out that way, so we we do frequent the old Reefton Spur and yeah, ride over there quite often in the summer months. Beautiful. Lucky just wants you to stop off at Three Sugars, which is a very good uh, little spot in Warburton. But look, Cam, look, yeah, we've got to leave it there, buddy. But thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure, boys, and we'll see you on the road. See you, Cam. Cameron Donald, um, well, you know, Australia's greatest, well. You, you, I, could, you know, I could have literally talked to him for hours. Oh, sounds but like. Listeners, do yourself a favour. <clears throat> Uh, look up some docos on it. Go and when it's on next, have a look at it. It is crazy.